What's going on? Everybody. You've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, we've got a very special guest on the podcast here today. We are welcoming, welcome, welcome. <laughs> we are welcoming Mr. Josh Madigan from Hockey Card Gong Show team. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I love it. I'm good. Uh, not every day that I get to shoot the shit about hockey with another diehard hockey card collector. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here today is because Series 1 has just released. We are going into the Expo. SP Authentic of 2022-2023 is about to come out. I think there's a lot of things to talk about. I want to chat first about Series 1. So 2023 Series 1. You guys uh, put out a post two days ago, I believe. Maybe even Yeah, yesterday. something like that. Yeah. Uh, the parallel comparison. So for those of you who are tuning in and don't, know what we're talking about for the first time ever upper deck has included uh parallels for young guns and i guess not the first time ever because there's always been high gloss and exclusives and french and black canvas and all that jazz but they've added more numbered parallels so there's an out of 25 red outburst there are silver outbursts where the background is basically silver and shiny uh they've also added deluxe numbered to 250 and uh, what else we got I think that's it. Gold no? 101. Gold 101. That's right. One. Yeah. The yeah. biggest one. Gold 101s. Uh, and so you guys took the courtesy of creating an, uh, a, a multiplier. So basically just showing, you know, on average, what people are paying for different variations of these young guns. For the people who don't collect hockey all the time, I think that this introduces a new chase because we know that people who collect football and baseball and basketball, they love those like low number parallels. Uh, they're very much into the non-base stuff and uh, the opportunities that come with low-numbered parallels. How have you found that the market has received the new parallels? Well, I don't know how we how we can answer that at this point, and that's kind of what led us to create that post. Is yeah. going back to what you said, Co. This new configuration to Upper Deck flagship hockey products is brand new and that product really hadn't changed in 20 years yep and so it's a big kind of a seismic shift since like oh five yeah one of the most important releases that upper deck has like you said they went from 24 packs where you basically had one hit per pack and six young guns a box and young guns are the flagship rookie in hockey to 12 packs with three hits per pack and still remaining the six young guns per box. So one young gun, every other pack, but then they got rid of a couple uh, young gun parallels that we're used to. And have been for a long time, the French variation and the little or lesser known tougher chase young guns, clear cut exclusives. That's right. And then they, they introduced, like you said, the deluxe out of 250, which is just another numbered young guns. And then the outburst parallels. And what I think has been a, a positive about the outburst is that when they when Upper Deck released their sell sheets and kind of announced this new configuration, the the computer images weren't, I don't think, showed how much these cards pop. Yeah. And what now that people have seen them in hand, I think there's been a lot more excitement around that. But getting back to your question, so you have 
these silver outbursts, which are unnumbered. You have a deluxe out of 250 right now. You have the outburst red out of 25. And then, of course, the 101. And for, you know, these cards have been from a price and value perspective, have kind of had their hierarchy for a long time now. Yep. And we've sort of kind of mixed that whole thing up. And to a large degree, I think we're in a feeling out period. Yep. Where the market really doesn't even know, well, uh, how common is an outburst silver? Or what? how do I value a, a, a deluxe out of 250? How much less value should that have than an exclusives out of 100? And then conversely, how much more value should an outburst red have compared to an exclusives? And then the 101 will, I just think, be a, a big chase depending on the player and the hype around that player. Yeah, I would agree with you. I've actually not pulled the trigger on any of the new parallels yet. Like I, I've looked at them. I'm kind of feeling it out myself. I've been watching a lot of auctions. So like I've been watching Alpers Reds and I've been watching Deluxe and I've been watching uh, Alpers Silvers just to kind of see where they fall and what I'm willing to pay for something of that nature. Um, and And once they settle a little bit and once people need to use their money to buy new product or... Uh, oh, yeah. They need to, you know, like they're, they're no longer happy with with what they have. I think that's when I'm going to be starting to kind of accumulate what I, I want. I haven't really decided what that is just yet. I will say that to your point, the Alper Silvers, they look gorgeous. I don't know how I feel about the Reds. Uh, I like the color match. I mean, there there happens yeah. to be three really good uh, Calgary Flames as well as, I mean, Luke yeah. Hughes is the devil. So like you have like four pretty quality players uh, and like four of the bigger chases in the set are like outburst reds. So I think that bodes well for that parallel because they're color matched. Um, but like I just, a Matthew Nyes, like a blue Jersey with the, like the red background. I just don't know if it does it for me personally. Um, you know, if we're talking about the strength of the class in general, this is something that you and I were talking about before we even started recording. It's just, it doesn't look like as of right now, if we look at it from like a logistics, like two goalies, a defenseman and a guy who might play top six on the Leafs one day, it it just doesn't look great long-term for the success of this set. And that's not to say that like, if you PC a guy, don't go buy your stuff or, like don't I mean do whatever if collecting is different for everybody, right? But if we look at long-term value of these boxes that are debuting, I think with a I mean, first of all, they de- debuted from straight from upper deck with a price increase because they added all these yeah. new parallels, but also because a lot of LCSs and distributors wanted people to kind of get used to the fact that that with the next set, aka series two and the release of Bedard, there's probably gonna be a price increase. And and I mean, if we see some of the online retailers, that probably has turned into almost double the price of a conventional box for pre-order of series two. Yeah, I think it's more than double. And it's really concerning to me on a lot of levels, just with the overall stability in the hockey wax market. One of the things Troy and I did on our show is we went back, you know, because when you have... You're used to paying maybe like I'm in the US, right? So like 110 yeah. US for flagship. And then yeah. you have even, now even that's kind of expensive though. Do you know, like I'm it, it, like, oh yeah. It's like 90 bucks a box. <laughs> like, 
but but even that, and then you go to three hundred. So the first thing I, that we thought of was, well, what happened in McDavid's rookie year? So we went back and looked at the twenty fourteen series two pricing, which was which would have been the flagship release right before Eichel, series Eichel, one. Right? No, no, no. We wanted to look at the the flagship release right before McDavid came out in series one okay. of twenty fifteen to see what the price difference was. And there was about a 36% increase between 2014 series two and 2015 series one. Right. So there was a price, you know, there was a lot of hype around McDavid. And so there's a, a corresponding price increase there, but now to go from more than double with Connor Bedard seems like a big, big increase to a mar- market. And I think a collector base in hockey that traditionally values stability. Yeah. More more than anything else. And I and just straight don't know up collecting, right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you ask any other market who has the diehard collectors, I guarantee you most of them say hockey because I mean, ho- I know people who don't really care about the price of cards, like on a day to day basis, but they buy a box every single time. There's a, like I'm talking flagship box. They don't go yeah. and they buy like a lure and they buy trilogy. And like, I'm not we all know someone who buys every single like one of every box. But I'm talking like these people that no matter what they're doing, they always spend that 100 or 110 bucks, like you said, on, you know, series one, series two update is relatively new. So I I know a lot of people that don't touch update, but typically I, I know a bunch of people who have just been in the hobby collecting uh, hockey cards for 10, 15 years and just go to the store every release for series one and series two. They buy themselves a box. And I think that you're kind of pricing those people out because if you're you're talking about it's like a 3x increase on a $100 box here and for those people who don't care too much about like the day trading aspect of sports cards how how can you justify this this hobby in a time where realistically speaking there's a, an ep- uh, economic downturn do you know what i mean like if you, yeah. if you look around things are significantly more expensive um and you just three X the price of, of something that's supposed to be m- like meant to be a hobby. Right. So I don't know. I can only speak personally, I guess, or I will speak personally on this is that, I don't know if you feel similarly, but for the last number of years now, as prices have tended to go up in a lot of areas in life is to me there, uh, whether you're going to a concert or a sporting event, there hits a price point where it's just not fun anymore. Yeah. Like here in Minnesota to go to a Viking, to take my son to a Vikings game is going to cost me 750 bucks when it's all in between parking and tickets and food. And, and it's like, is it really fun at seven or to go to a concert and spend three, $400 on a ticket? And, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, that was fine. The band sounded all right. But is it worth it? And and so I, I kind of think along the same lines. If I'm looking at a $300 box of flagship, it's like when I open it and I, uh, you know, for every box, well, like I shared, you know, just based on the odds, if you're looking at series two, there's 50 young guns in the checklist. You get six young guns in a box. So if you do the math, every eight and one third boxes on average will have a Connor Bedard young guns. So nine people buy a box. One gets Connor Bedard eight don't yeah and they spend and are they are they happy with the cards that they got for three hundred dollars i can't imagine that being yeah i can't imagine them being happy about that you know like i just can't like 
I, so another thing that's kind of frustrating is the like the Easter egg that's been put into. I know I know a lot of people are excited about the Easter egg in series one, and I just think that the fact that it was unannounced was both exciting, but also I feel like it probably should have been announced because a lot of people got. I think a lot of people bought that thing at obscene numbers because it was assumed that it was like a super short print. And within 24 hours of series one being opened by the masses, I mean, we quickly saw exactly how many of these surfaced. Now, I mean, by definition, and, and even to what you just mentioned for Connor Bedard, I think that would classify as a short print. It's a case hit, theoretically. Right. Like if you're getting one per case, that's a case hit. Right. So if we want a literal definition of like what young guns are like, yeah, technically each one is a case hit. So in itself, those are short printed. So depending on how many of these bedards have been produced, like realistically, yes, they're short printed. But with the amount of boxes that they've made, I mean, how short printed are they really, though? And especially, you know, what's also concerning about that is everyone who pulled one is like selling instantly. So who are these people selling it to? Do you know what I mean? Like who's the end consumer yeah. of this Easter egg? Who is willingly paying 600 bucks, 400 bucks, 350 for this Connor Bedard Easter egg uh, of him holding a puck on draft day? Where if you compare that to a Connor, uh, Connor McDavid, I think a BGS nine closed for 200 bucks eight years later. You know, like where does who who's the end consumer here? But it's not, I don't think, in my opinion, a very interesting card. And yeah. it's not something that will be coveted over the long term. It just satisfies a short term demand for anything for Connor Bedard. And I don't know how much of the details matter in this, but there's very specific rules of, about producing hockey cards that upper deck has an agreement with the NHL and they actually had to go to the NHL and get a special exception in order just to produce this card, to get him into series one. But I almost think Cole that the, the there's a big missed opportunity here. And I don't, you could where I think if you go back in time, whether you be the NHL or upper deck is Connor Bedard should have been in series one. They should have just found a way because it's a guaranteed home run. Think about it. And even if they delayed it a few weeks in order to hurry up and mass produce and pack it out or do whatever they needed to do, if he's in series one and they release it at the expo next week, it's a guaranteed grand slam. It's not even yeah. a home run. It's yeah. a grand slam. And it doesn't matter how he plays. Now he's doing okay. He has four goals, I think through nine games, he had another goal taken away by these offsides recall they seem to be robbing everybody of goals this year but his team is terrible i mean they're they're just awful and you know what happens in spring if he has 14 goals three you know 80 percent of the way through the season what does that do then i'm a buyer (laughs) then you're a buyer But, but the other thing that you look at is had they found a way to get him into series one then you would have him driving a huge kind of like I said, it's a grand slam. It's a total win for everybody in the for car shops, for hobbyists, for upper deck, where now there's risk with him being in spring. But then you have to balance that out a series two release that would have in, you know, 
beyond Connor Bedard. You have Logan Cooley, you have Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson, which would be an amazing flagship release if Bedard wasn't even in the picture. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that the, you, you have some interesting, make some really interesting points about the Easter egg. I think that when you hear the word Easter egg, you assume very, very short print. Like I'm a big glow PG fan yeah. from uh, 2016. I think it was OPG yeah. and I'm trying to collect cards that I can never find them. Yeah. Right. Where you could buy probably one of these Bedard draft pick cards uh, one an hour for a week if you I wanted guarantee to guarantee you. Uh, I guarantee you. Yeah. You can, uh, if you tried really hard and had, like an unlimited amount of money, you can probably accumulate like 500 in the next like week and a half, two weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like every time yeah. I've seen someone pull one, they sell it instantly. So, like to me, that's not a card that people really desire. If your first inclination when you pull it is to sell it, do you know what I mean? Like, because if oh, you yeah. pull a big card, Knowing that you you didn't put a ton of money into this box usually means like I can ride this thing out. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you ever gotten a good deal on like an exclusive or like a or been really, really low on like a future watch auto or something? I'm way less inclined to move something like that because I'm like my I, I'm into it so low and I kind of just want to ride it out for once. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to just see if this comes to fruition, this player, this card, whatever this may be. And if your first inclination when you pull something big is to sell it, like, I, I don't know if that's necessarily like good for that card. Now, obviously not to say that you have to collect everything you pull, but it just doesn't sit right with me. Like the guy who's hyped up by everybody, you know, like everybody knows about Connor Bedard. Everyone's to a certain extent excited about what's what's what could transpire. Um, and And yet nobody really wants to own this card that pulls it. Well, like I said, I, I don't think it's ultimately very interesting. I don't know about you, but I don't love portrait cards. Me neither. To to begin with, I prefer more like in action kind of. Unless we're talking, unless we're talking canvas, in which case I am obsessed. Yeah, yeah, love- yeah. That that's a that's a good point. But again, I, and the other thing too, that you know, you who knows how this will shake out, but I, I think a lot of people for a long time have seen this whole Connor Bedard chase as a get rich quick kind of endeavor where, Oh, I pull any Bedard. I'm going to be in the money. And it, there's a lot of factors at play right now. And the, in the overall general sports card market is not great right now. And so yeah. I think we all need to maybe tamper our expectations around that a little bit too that and there's going to be you know, upper deck has known for a long time that this kid is coming there's going to be a lot of Connor Bedard cards a lot of numbered cards and it'll be what four or five months down the road there's going to be a huge supply in the market and everybody's going to be thinking that like the same thing right like they are right now where oh I pull it I'm going to sell it and get and make a ton of money yeah, and well, so- I I think that's important to talk about, right? It's the fact that like there's just going to be an, an unbelievable amount of supply. I mean, think about like Allure, Trilogy, uh, Black Diamond, like every single Opeachy Platinum, like any set you want, Premier, there's going to be a Bedard and there's going to be a Bedard number to 100 and 999 and 250. And do you know what I mean? There's going to be so many different versions of Bedard of sets that have come out and maybe even new sets that they're going to introduce to just get them in as another, you know, like maybe people like this yeah. set. I mean, we've seen early on MVP 
and like the damage that people did with MVP and selling those like gold redemptions for I think 5k was the highest uh, or something to the tune of that. It's like there's just going to be so many other valuable autographs and, and Connor Bernard rookie cards by the time that one ever surfaces and returns as a redemption that it just a lot of this stuff doesn't really make much sense. And to your point, if you're looking to like get rich quick, I just don't know if if everyone else isn't thinking the same thing. So like if you're playing the same game as everyone else, who wins? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. Well, don't you think the more you learn about the hobby and just in your own collecting experience that the best way to, and I, my mind to make money is the keyword I always use is patience. It's the people that are most patient that are strategic and are smart and really think about what are the cards that drive value and don't and can resist FOMO. It's really hard when, when I'm sure when series two comes out and you're seeing a million Instagram posts of everybody in their Connor Bedard young guns and you don't have one. But if they're nine hundred dollars or I don't know whatever they're going to be five hundred dollars four hundred dollars for there's a no way they're less gun. than five. There's just no. I don't think there's a single. And there's no way that hell. yeah that that can sustain right. And so if you're if you can resist that fear of missing out for a month or two and let the hype crescendo a little bit and get the hype train onto that next new release. Maybe it's SP authentic and his future watch autos that are coming out. Yeah and make your move then i i think that you're much if you're if, that, if value is your goal like you said earlier there's lots of different ways to collect and yep. some people just are going to want his young guns on that first day and don't care if they spend a thousand bucks for it and more power to you right i mean that's but but for me i i i like to collect special cards that have the opportunity to at least have the opportunity to ha have value over the long term. And so I'm trying to coach myself to be more and more patient. Yeah. I think one thing I want to ask is, do you think that this year, let's say this expo going into next expo, do you think there's going to be a lot more people selling in hopes of accumulating like more cash flow to just buy a ton of Bedard? Because I've noticed that, and again, I don't really have metrics for this, but based on like the old, like my stuff that I'm kind of walking around and, and I've been selling and all, whatever that nature, that there's a bit of a decrease. I mean, the first two weeks I think was really hot, the NHL season, and it there's a it's a bit of a tapering off. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen at the expo. I just I for some reason I don't think there's going to be a lot of people buying. I think there's going to be a lot of people selling. And I think there's gonna be a lot of people selling because they're trying to accumulate more for the eventual series two release. Yeah, that's like the the theory of what's the total pool of available money in yep. the hockey card market, and yep. if that's relatively static, that pool has to be spread amongst well, buying new wax, buying singles on the secondary market, or breaking right wherever the money goes, and if people are war chesting for Bedard that's less available money to be spent in other areas uh, to me I think Jack Hughes is going to be very hot at the expo and and so in my mind he's probably will have a very healthy market 
in buying and selling. I'm sure McDavid will always be strong, yeah. but there are guys like, it seems like for the last, I don't know, even four or five months, the Austin Matthews market. I was just really to say, weak. I was just going to say that guy started off with two straight uh, hat tricks and his stuff has barely moved. Yeah. And he's probably like, he's a heart trophy or heart trophy rocker Richard candidate at the very least. Right. Like he's up there. Um, even like Dill Larkin's having himself a season and he hasn't had much of an uptick in his stuff, truthfully. Yeah. The, well, I, I, th- I think we're at the point where with some of these guys, we want to see, will he sustain it? Like to what degree will Dylan Larkin, you know, at this point, he's not going to be a 180 point season. No, right. But no. can he get for the first time, I think like 70, high 70s is his highest point total to this point can he get to 100 points and how and the team that's a team that looks interesting so i I think there could be some sustained and then you got other guys who have had a little bit i don't know if this slow start is the right way to put it but you have like your matthew kachucks your jason robertson's your oh who's the other guy that i was just a tage thompson who haven't been bad but they're not exactly lighting the world on fire either and um, yeah, it does seem like that they're the hobby doesn't aside from Jack Hughes, which has been there's a new record sale every day. I right? mean, he had, he had 18 points in five games, you know, or six games. Yeah, it's just like, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, New Jersey in general looks like they're they could go all the way. I'm find me a, like a bad player that plays on New Jersey. I mean, their goaltending situation is like meh, but the rest of the team more than makes up for it, you know. Like yeah. they have like Tyler Toffoli playing first or third line. They have like Timo Meyer. I don't even know why they acquired him truthfully because they have an like, embarrassment of riches. Alexander Holtz was drafted literally like fifth overall, plays fourth line. Like it's crazy over there. We and they, get questions and, and about ne- Nemich is, hasn't even played, has he? No. That's... Well, the, the other guy is Dawson Mercer. So if you look at like the hobby prospects, you have Luke Hughes, who's on the blue line, so not as big of an issue. Yeah. And then, of course, Jack. And like you said, you've got Jesper Bratt. You've got Timo Meyer. You've got Nico Heeshear. You've got Tyler Toffoli. And then you got these two young guys that people like to chase with Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer. But is there room in, in sort of Dawson for Dawson Mercer has like one point, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he, had, he did much better last year than Holtz did. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things that – and I, I don't know how – much this exists with like in the other sports, but in hockey, it's like one or two guys, a team at most yes. tend to have a chase. Look at like yes. Miko Ratnan in Colorado who yeah. scores 55 goals and nobody cares. He's like the odd man out because of Kale McCarr and, and McKinnon and, and McKinnon. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. You, that's one of the things you really have to be careful of is trying to look at, okay, in that market in, with the fans of that team, are the you know if your guy is like the fifth guy on the hobby totem pole, that's probably not a good sign. Well, John Tavares puts up a point a game at his like his whole career. Ever since he's been in Leaf, he scored like forty goals every year, and his stuff just keeps going lower and lower and lower. It's like the yeah. guy came into the league with ex- exceptional status, and like people would rather buy Matthew Nyes versus the guy who scored forty goals every year and you know eighty five points on a regular basis, captain, captain of the team, right? Like. Yeah. It um to your point, like being third or fourth on the totem pole just doesn't get you a ton of love. No. Yeah. And so like John Tavares, if you're not Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, you have to really find a way to eclipse 
those guys from a hobby hype perspective, which it, it seems like an impossibility with how good of players they are and yeah. how big of how much of a fan base they already have. Yeah, I would agree with you. Talk to me about SP Authentic coming out. Um, is that a product that you are excited about? Do you, how do you like the last year's rookie class? And like, do you think there's going to be a ton of hype again? Maybe going like let's talk going into the expo. Like, SP Authentic is a big product. Do you think there's anyone in that product worth chasing for people to be buying boxes at the expo? Not like I'm not asking you necessarily for like, give me a cheat sheet, but like let's have like a realistic conversation here where. I have X amount of money. SP Authentic is coming out right before the expo. Cards, I can just buy singles or I can buy other cards. Yeah. Like where like what's the incentive to buy 2022-2023 SP Authentic right now? Well, beyond a PC guy that you really like or if you're a Kraken fan and a big fan of Maddie Beneers, just as a general hobbyist, it, it's uh the the set I'm sure will be great and We'll have to see when it comes out tomorrow. But the that 2022-23 hobby class is looking pretty weak right now. And it happens. You can't have a Connor Bedard every year. That's what makes these cases like him so special. But if you go through the list, and especially even looking at the start to the season, Matty Beneers doesn't have a goal in like nine games. Slavkovsky has one point in eight games. And I think he's a huge question mark at this point. Will he ever materialize into a top tier NHL player? You've got Owen power. Who's a very, very good defenseman and everyone would want him on the team, but he's not an offensive star. That's going to drive a lot of, he's just a really, really good defensive defenseman. That'll not score a lot of goals, but put up a, a decent amount of assists. And you got Shane Wright in the OHL and you just go down the list co and there's nobody that really jumps to you as that as that big chase. And so like the, the guy who's going to save the product. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And with everybody saving for series two and all these new products coming out, it seems like every week to me, the play might be just patience again, is that if I was checking pre-sales the other day. So if SP authentic is 180 out of the gate here in the U S two months from now, could it be 140, 130? I don't doubt that. I don't doubt right? that. Like, again, because, like, where are people going to be putting their money? Like, either war chesting, buying Series 1 because they want that, like, early Bedard that they can just either hold on to or flip. I, I just think a lot of people have moved on from the 2022-2023 rookie class, especially given the fact that they haven't really performed particularly well, right? Oh, 100%. And, and even if even if you're a huge believer in Maddie Beneers, because of his start to the season, it's going to be buying low. So are you just better off? You know, could you get a future watch auto of his raw for less than the box cost? I don't know. Maybe it might not, but, but on average, I think, you're I think that would be, I think that'd be wild. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. It, it'll, if you, it'll if be you look at like SP authentic, like, I mean, a Holtz does. I don't know, maybe 60 bucks still. And that guy's played like four games in the NHL. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just going to be very interesting to see how the wax continues to, or the market rather, continues to react to just this influx of wax and just like, here, 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 here. Try this, try this, try this, try this, try this. You know, like eventually if you go to Costco on empty stomach and you try all of the samples, 
I mean, you kind of are too full for dinner, you know? So, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, we have this situation where wax is going up and singles prices are going down. And at some point, something has to give. It's, it's not sustainable for, because people will just lose. Like I said, it goes back to that, uh, just that even that entertainment factor or that feeling of, is it worth it? If I spend a hundred dollars and $180 us on a box and I end up with $30 worth of cards, how satisfied am I at the end of that rip? Not very. Yeah. No, I would agree with you, man. It's going to be some interesting times ahead. I'm excited to see what kind of bounty gets placed on this, on this Bedard. I think it's going to be unbelievable. Even if he's having a mediocre season, I think someone out there is going to throw down, at least 50k on this thing like i'm being very generous putting a 50k like disclaimer down a one of one young guns very popular i think it's very easy to digest for the average person i I can't imagine it going for less oh i think it'll be six figures i really do and i got a question for you so go for it i i keep hearing a debate amongst people that are trying to speculate how many people do you think are going to buy series two wax and stash it versus open it? Do you think know, stashing will be a big thing? I know myself personally, probably 20 or 30 people that want to buy a case. I just don't know if it's going to be available. Like, I just don't know if they're going to have cases yeah. like this readily available, but I know at least 20 or 30 people that want to stash a case, like have plans to stash a case, whether that's like the financial means or the connections or whatever to stash sure. a case. So uh, I do think that a good chunk of people are just going to put this thing away. And I, and but, I just don't think a lot of shops are going to get the allocation that they normally would, because I think there's going to be a lot more other shops that might not dabble too much in hockey that like kind of want, like yeah. to want to get in on this. Whereas before they might not have, but now like there's a lot of Americans even like asking for Connor Bedard and people who don't otherwise collect hockey are getting excited about Connor Bedard, right? So um to your, to answer your question, yeah, I know a lot of people that are that are ready to stash cases, not just boxes, cases. Well, a good byproduct of that would in my mind would be his young guns one on one not seeing the light of day for a long time. I think that that's best for I think it would be really disappointing in a way and for it to be on Instagram or Twitter or wherever X, whatever you call it now on the day of release or the day after release that just cause that when you talk about like bounties and yeah. the fever around wax, the longer that stays sealed in a box, the more and more that that fever pitch will grow. Yeah. I mean, until eventually it kind of like teeters off and people just kind of forget about sure. it. almost, almost like the Steph Curry one of one tops Chrome, you know, like where yeah. people are like, I don't know if anyone's ever, ever hit it or if someone even owns it or if it's in the garbage or whatever. Um, It's like, it ends up being like a folk tale. You're like someone, someone who knew nothing about this card might've thrown it out. Well, and going back to the bounty, it's like part of me says, yeah, it's hockey. It's a smaller market. But then you look at like, the million dollar bounty that was put on the Magic the Gathering, Lord of the Rings, one of one card. It's like, well, if that has a million dollars, I'm not trying to like disparage Magic the Gathering in any stretch, but I can't imagine that. Or I would 
maybe assume that that kind of collector base is comparable to the hockey collector base. So dude, it sold why for you... two million. You know, like there was a million yeah. dollar bounty, but it ended up selling for two. And all you need is I know Post Malone bought it. All you need is like a Justin Bieber to. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Work for over sure. the money, or if and... like someone gets close enough to like Connor Bedard and like. I don't know. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is big on like hockey. And I mean, there's a lot of like celebrities who are like big hockey, Adam Sandler. Like, I mean, I don't know how many Adam Sandler's literally filming a movie supposedly about sports cards, you know, like it would yeah. be kind of, you have no idea who out there is willing to pay what uh, for niche items. And that's kind of like where that ultra high end market. Like, I mean, I know people with like seven or eight, I'm sure you do too, like seven or eight figure collections where you're like, unfathomable money i know that shine posted something the other day about how he bought a lebron exquisite like at a deal for four hundred and thirty thousand dollars, right so i mean if someone wants to own something they're gonna pay whatever the hell they want for it oh yeah i totally agree those people blow my mind because they just live in a world that i don't <laughs> he literally is like i got a deal on this there was the last one sold for I think it was like two million, and he's like, "I I was fortunate enough to pay four hundred fifty thousand for this," and I was like, "That is just an obscene amount of money for a card, though." You know, like it might have been a deal in comparison yeah, I, to the two million, but like that's like some serious cash. I'm more of a dollar box guy. Yeah, yeah, you know you that that's more that's more of my jam. You and me both, and I just like roll over the smart plays that I make. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I bought this. Uh, who's the guy? I, I bought a ton of like Arturi Lekkinen. Oh, like on the in the off season, I was like, ah, screw it. Like he's uh, probably going to play top six minutes. Let's see what happens. Mine for like a dollar or 50 cents. And I've been selling them for like five or six bucks. I'm like, yes, like, uh, you know, five X, six X we're, we're cruising right now. But like, that's, that's all we're getting. You know, <laughs> like if you, even if you do that 20 times, you're only ending up with like what? 130 bucks, $140. You know what I mean? So, and then you just roll it over and have have fun with the next thing. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm all about just like value plays. I would be too anxious, I think, at that. Like I saw your TikTok, I think, from the other day about the mantle PSA eight that sold for a million bucks, but had sold for double that the year. I don't know. Two, year, two years prior, money. same serial number and everything, man. Yeah. How much money I had if I lost a million dollars on a sports card, I I would be stressed out. Of course, it's it's gone. It's gone. You know, it's it's gone. And that and that being said, like, you got to think, what situation was that person in in order to like have to sell that? Because like, if you bought it for two million, you got to believe yeah. that you can you you can shoulder a two million dollar sports card, right? Like, it's yeah. um yeah, we're in an interesting part in the like point in the market. A lot of people are trying to. I, mean, I was on a podcast yesterday, and they asked me like blatantly, like, where do you think we're at? And, uh, you know, is it up? Is it down? Like, I think we, we've gotten a correction. I, I don't know if it's correction. I think we're, we're slowly coming back down to earth in some aspects. If you look at some of the prices from like 2019 and 2020, I mean, a lot of those cards are still above what they were, but we're slowly kind of like getting to a place where the market has pretty close to the same level of knowledge across it. And I think that that knowledge gap was a massive issue before where you saw these huge fluctuations because there's a bunch of people that got introduced to new things or, or new parallels. Or, I mean, I seen like a lot of the golds, early golds just absolutely went off. Whereas before, 
I mean, a gold was still expensive in comparison to the the price of the box or, but like not hot $10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars for like an out of 10. Right. I mean, you and I have talked about the Crosby. uh, And I also think a lot of this has to do with the fact that uh, whether we want to admit it or not, I think there are some comps out there uh, more than a few that might be, or might have been artificially propping up you know, a lot of cards um, and in some respects, perhaps certain markets, because I mean, until eBay gets their completed listing stuff sorted out and everyone pooling the same data from eBay's completed listings, we can't possibly have an accurate representation of like what people are actually paying for stuff. And that Mm -hmm. obviously influences what the next person is going to pay for something. Right. So we're in this like, I just don't know how confident the people who are in the market are about certain aspects of the market. If we're going to refer to it as a market. Yeah. You have to be able to trust the data. And what I come back, I think one of the byproducts of the boom in the sports card market during the pandemic was everything was going up. And so that hides a lot of potential pitfalls that you have in in particular, and as a guy who I collected sports cards as a kid, but just, just it's just been a few years where I've been kind of really into it on a deeper level and increased my knowledge a lot is I think that this hobby for people that want to get in and, and like the idea of making money. And I, I like to throw that out there a lot too, Cole, because I think not enough people want to admit that people want to make money on sports cards. It's course, like the yeah. cool thing is to say, Oh, I'm a collector and I, I like sports cards. I love it. That's why yeah. um, I I do it. But I think mo- I would say probably the majority of people get into it because the idea of flipping or acquiring a cool item that they can enjoy that goes up in value. It just adds that extra element of intrigue. Yeah. But in particular, I think this hobby is really brutal for that for new people that don't because there's really no kind of there's so many sort of hidden secrets yeah like with comp reporting that you're talking about and a million other things that it's really hard to get into this and not get you know go through the school hard knocks and that was that's why i was so like i had such like a a strong stance on the easter egg not being announced right because like if an everyday person hears that this is like an easter egg this is like a super short print and they're like, okay, this is my opportunity to like get in on a guy who I know is going to be generational or everyone's going to collect him. I mean, they might be pulling the trigger on a $1,400 Connor Bedard draft redemption card. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just, you're, you're, I promise you, unless it's a BGS 10, you know, and, and like not even BGS 10, like a black, if you somehow get a black label on that Bedard, maybe. Just maybe you'll be able to sell it for yeah. more than what you bought it for at fourteen hundred bucks. Okay, but anything less than that, I cannot imagine a scenario where that card is more expensive in six months or a year. Yeah, well, let's continue your hypothetical there because I think it's a really interesting sort of hypothetical or hypothetical situation on on a new collector. So you have this transcendent talent, Connor Bedard, who. By transcendent, really definitionally, that means he has the ability to bring people from outside the sport and outside the hobby into the hobby. And so I'm a hockey fan. I've heard about sports cards. I've heard hockey cards. I'm excited about this Bedard kid. Oh, I see on eBay, people are going, there's this new draft pick card. People are going nuts. I spend $800 on it. 
because I don't really know any better. And, and this then, is, is only card in NHL jersey right now. I only card in NHL right jersey. Yeah, it's all over social media. I'm seeing it, and then I I forget about it, and I check four months from now, and it's worth four hundred dollars. Is that gonna make me buy more hockey cards? I don't think gonna it's keep even gonna me... be worth four hundred bucks, bro. I don't even think. Yeah, I think maybe not. 120 150 if that you know like i I, and and then that's a big reason why we do our show troy and i and we put so much time into it is just to be some semblance of a resource for people to to learn and to be a little educational about and, and share some of the massive mistakes we've made and to try to really come up with the best possible formula that we can for being a smart collector that helps you achieve your goals, right? So whether your goal is just pure collecting or you want to make money or wherever you fall in that spectrum in between, it's at the end of the day, even if you're just a pure collector, you don't want to pay $800 for the card that you want in your collection if you could get it for $400. Right. I so agree money with always factors. I agree in. with you. And like when people say, like, oh, like they'll pay whatever they want, or I just wanted the card. I'm like, yeah, but if you see that that card is worth like I booked a flight to Florida, okay? Yeah. Uh on Monday on Friday. So I'm going for a little bit, but on Friday I booked a flight. On Monday I checked and it was double. I still want to go to Florida. Or it was half, sorry. I still want to yeah. go to Florida. But am You're I bummed. am I am I upset a little bit that like I paid double the price than I would have paid on Monday? Of course I am. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's I'm still I I don't know how that impacts me booking a future flight, but like if I maybe if I don't want to go, I'll wait or I'll, there's definitely going to be some some information that I'm going to have to take in moving forward in from like a situational perspective where I'm like, "Hmm, like how do we avoid me doing that again? Right. And I think that that hesitation, it's like real, really back into sports cards, like even having a slight hesitation of paying for something like that right off the hop, um, especially knowing that like chances are it'll probably go down. I don't know how that does in terms of like people buying boxes right away. And we'll see how that translates into like the rest of the, the collecting market. Well, and another thing that I would throw in there into the conversation is, whether I think it at the expo, you're talking about like buying and selling or on like whether you're just doing it with friends online or using a platform like my card post. I think trading right now is uh, really kind of where we're 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 getting at, because if everyone's collections down, nobody wants to buy a sports card for five hundred dollars and sell it for two fifty. That's not fun. I agree. That's not fun. But if my but if it's worth 250, that's what it's worth. So you just got to come to grips with that. But what I think is much more palatable for people is and this aligns with hockey because it's very collector driven, like you've talked about, where I'll trade my now worth $250 sports card or hockey card for another $250 hockey card that someone bought for $500 too. I don't yeah. feel or I think that, that has more like upside. A, Yes, I yeah. don't feel like that's a loss to me. That doesn't hurt as bad. And yeah. so um, I actually think like at the expo, there's going to be a lot of trading. That's what I mean. I think so, too. I just don't know if like I, I just don't know if there's gonna be a ton of like buying, you know, so. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, there's we've got there's a few trade nights that are set up and we'll see how what, what comes of them um, and, uh, you know, how, how receptive dealers are going to be to trades and maybe trades plus cash and 
But I, I honestly believe that there's just not going to be a ton of like straight up buying. Uh, we'll see though. And and I've seen buying like almost reckless buying in the past where people are just accumulate everything because like anything will sell. And I, I think that people are going to be way more strategic. Even the quote unquote whales that go in there and they spend, you know, considerable amounts of money. I think even they're going to be very strategic on, on what they're buying uh, it, like in the next expo. So I, I, we'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited to share the stage with you. Uh, for those of you who don't yeah. know, we're going to be, be sharing fun. the stage once again. It's going to be super fun and uh, sharing the stage here. Team, if you haven't already, you need to check out Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast. They are on YouTube. They're on Spotify. They post daily on Instagram. Their stories are fantastic. If you're looking to acquire new cards, they always spotlight um, a bunch of interesting cards from PWCC auctions, I, I believe, right? You want to, you know, I'm plugging you yeah. right now, but you want to plug oh, thanks, yourself? thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, we, yeah, we, we work with like PWCC and Slap Sharks and we'll highlight their cards. Uh, and again, our, our whole goal is just to try to educate people. We're learning. We're not, Troy and I are not the world's foremost hockey card experts. We would never profess to be. And I kind of prescribe to the theory that uh, the minute you think you're an expert in something, you really just show how much you don't know. I agree and so we're, we're lifelong learners. And our, our whole goal is just to take people along for that ride and hopefully get information that enhances your, you know, your own collecting experience, right? If you can get one or two nuggets that helps you, then I think we've done our job. I love that. I will leave uh, the, their socials in the description below. Team, as always, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Cardboard Coach. I want you to have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much for joining today, Josh. And uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of the day, team. Take care. Bye, guys.